Today, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 1, with a message entitled, The Sower. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Mark chapter 4, Mark 4, the sower. We're continuing our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark, and we have come to the famous parable of the sower. Some have said the parable should be called the parable of the soils. You could call it the sower and the soils. The focus is on both. The focus is about the sower of the seed and the soils that receive that seed. And each time the Bible is open, there is an invitation to you and to me to ask yourself this question afresh. What kind of soil are you? Every time the Bible is opened, every time you open the Bible in your own devotional time, every time you come into a service and you hear the word of God expounded, you have an opportunity, a fresh opportunity to ask, what kind of soil am I? That's a good introspective question. That's a healthy question. It's a good question. It's a question that every Christian needs to look at because what it does is it helps prepare your heart to make application for the word. For the word is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and it's able to pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Every time the word of God is open, it has the life to go down deep But there is an interesting caveat in the Bible, and it is this. The Bible says that a lot of what is produced ultimately when it comes to the Word of God has to do with the preparation of the soil, and the soil becomes an image of our hearts in the parable. The one telling the parable is Jesus, so we certainly want to pay close attention to what he has to say. And this parable of all parables is a good one to know and to know it well because it explains a lot about what goes on in the lives of individuals. We are often perplexed when we uh, watch individuals over the years, people that we know, people that we love, who hear the same Bible teaching that we hear, the same seed goes forth that goes forth into a group like this, and we're often perplexed as to what's going on with those individuals. Sometimes people are uh, you know, there's no evidence of fruit in their lives. We, we know they're hearing the same word. We know that word is alive. How do we explain this? How do we explain someone that we saw happily walk down the aisle, begin to, uh, you know, talk of their conversion, begin to tell of Jesus and the Bible and the gospel, and a couple years later, they're nowhere to be found? How do we explain the converts, quote unquote, that seem to have no evidence of salvation in their life. I think this particular parable explains a lot of that. It's Jesus telling us what's going on. And I think uh, this will answer a lot of our questions. If you'd bow with me, Father, as we bow before your holy word, we know it is true. It is living. And we know it is effective. It is profitable to the servant of God who wants to hear and respond in a way that would bring you glory. And that's our intention this morning. I know the hearts of many, many folks here. I know their faces. I know 
many of their stories, and I know that they're hungry to hear from you, Lord. So would you speak? Your servants are listening. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to your church, both individually and corporately. May you speak, may I get out of your way, and may um, your word bring uh, abiding fruit in each of our lives. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Now, what we've seen so far is many opinions emerging about the Messiah, Jesus. There are family members who are saying he has lost his senses, as we saw last week. They're trying to talk him down, do an intervention, bring him home. We don't know all the motivation, but we certainly know what they said. They said, we believe he's lost his senses, and they were trying to bring him home. The religious leaders were saying he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. They accused him of being demonically possessed. And there were all these varying opinions. In fact, when Jesus got to Caesarea Philippi, at the end of his ministry, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And even at that point, there was much confusion and much opinion that was going forth in terms of who Jesus was. And he was doing mighty miracles that the world had never seen before. He was doing them in incredible numbers. And yet the opinions of people varied and the motivations of people varied. He confronts people's motivations in John 6 when he tells them, you know, don't follow for the wrong reasons. And on and on it goes. There's a lot of different um, dynamics that are working in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And I think it's at this critical time that he tells this story because of the variation of opinion and how people are listening. The question that would probably resonate in many of our souls is why doesn't everybody respond positively to Jesus? Don't you ask that? Why doesn't everybody respond positively to the gospel? After all, it's a message of hope. It's a message of eternal life. It's a message of, you know, bliss in heaven and shunning a place called hell. Do you think that it is because many people just brush it aside? Many people maybe don't really believe it or many people think that they can wait until a last moment when they can you know, give a testimony of faith? Well, Jesus is gonna give four different responses to the word of God or the gospel and the issue is going to be the heart. Look at Mark 4, verse one. And he, Jesus, began to teach again by the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, in such a very great multitude... Some commentators believe that this is the biggest crowds that his ministry has drawn so far. Such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. Sitting down is the classic posture of a teacher ready to teach. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Now we know that Jesus had a getaway boat ready, as we saw a few messages ago, just in case the crowd trampled him. And now the numbers had gotten so large that Jesus actually got into the boat and the boat became a type of floating pulpit. I have heard some people say that the way the, the waves and the wind and all that happens there, sometimes your voice would carry on the water. So maybe because of the huge multitude of people, it was easier for him to communicate because we don't have amplification back in the day. But he who made the sea uses the sea as his megaphone. And I like it. Isn't that awesome? 
And so you can imagine Jesus is on the sea, close inshore. The waves are probably gently lapping against the seashore. And people, you know, maybe you can see them as a huge arc of people are all there. Some of you have been to big baptism ceremonies at the beach, and you can kind of get the image that way, you know, with maybe thousands of people on the shore and maybe a few people in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus has this floating pulpit, and he begins to share this classic parable. He was teaching them many things, verse 2, Mark 4, in parables. The Greek word for parable is parabole. We introduced this last Sunday. And he was saying to them in his teaching. So see the word parable there. It's used, I think, three or four times in the Old Testament. One of the places that you may recognize is Psalm 78, verse 2. It says, I will open my mouth in a parable. The Hebrew word is mashal. I will utter dark sayings of old. To break down a simple definition of the word parable, it is a comparison. It is to lay one thing aside another thing to bring light to a spiritual truth by an everyday story. And in an agrarian society where people were very used to farming and sowing seed and making sure that they did what they could do for the benefit of the crop and for the benefit of their family, this was a very uh, easy story to track with. So in a parable, truth is expressed in concrete pictures rather than abstractions. Some people have said parables typically have one main point or the sub points in the story are pointing to the main point, but it is by virtue of definition a comparison. So the story is told and it's, and it's this uh, idea that we need to get home. It's a earthly story with a spiritual point or for this this morning, it's a point about the kingdom of God. It's, a, it's an earthly story that you could grab onto, and we all can appreciate the power of a story well told to reveal a deeper spiritual picture. That's a parable. And one classic example, and sometimes the people listening to parables don't know what's going on or don't know the full meaning of it, is remember when the prophet Nathan came to David. David had sinned with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 12, and Nathan told him a story about two neighbors, and the one neighbor had the little ewe lamb. And as he tells the story, David's getting more and more angry as he hears what has happened with the poor family and what the rich family did to the poor family. You can go back and look at 2 Samuel 12. But then at the end of the parable, Nathan says these stunning words to the king. He says, you are the man. You are the one I'm telling this story about. David was so angry, he wanted that man to pay the ultimate price by hearing the parable from the prophet. And yet David didn't realize until the very end of the story. In fact, he had to be told, you are that man. It is very easy sometimes to hear the word of God and think of somebody else or rib our neighbor as truth is being shared. Did you, did you hear that? Your, sometimes your spouse comes out of church with bruised ribs. Some of them are wearing that football protector thing now when they go into church, right? Or sometimes when the truth of God's word is shared, we often think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. In fact, I'm going to order the CD just for them. And Jesus says, listen to this. Listen. In fact, this parable will be framed with the words, listen. I wore this shirt specifically today in honor of this parable so that you would not fall asleep. So that you would listen. 
I thought about white pants as well, but I thought, you know, maybe, maybe that's a little too much for the 9 a.m. crowd. Do you want to be able to, de to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology. And you can purchase that and listen to it, give it to a friend. Intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. That's what's available at walkintruth.com at the store, and there'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. He said, listen to this, verse 3. Behold, the sower, remember he's preaching from the boat, huge crowd, went out to sow. Literally, he went out to scatter the seed. Now, if you look at the picture up on the screen for a moment, there's kind of an image of what a sower would look like. And he's casting seed. And he's throwing it out and preparing for the harvest. And he throws it out and throws it out. And the idea here is, please listen. And in the crowd, there are variations of listeners like there are in every crowd. It's interesting as a speaker to watch various crowds in various venues. Yeah, this is going to convict all of you. Now you're going to try to look at me for the whole rest of the message. But, <laughs> but you can tell oftentimes who an engaged listener is. They're paying attention. They're tracking with what you have to say. And Jesus says, please listen. Listen to this. Listen up. This is crucial. This is critical, is the sense here. Please listen. Have you ever been having a conversation with somebody? Please turn to Ecclesiastes. Hold your place in Mark, which is right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 5. Have you ever been uh, sharing with somebody and you know that the lights are on, but nobody's home we have a famous saying in our culture, in one ear, out the other. And we're trying to get a point across. And the other person's trying to get their point across. Ever been in a conversation like this? Please listen to me. And the other person says, please listen to me. And back and forth you go. And everybody's trying to speak, right? And we're getting the idea that even though we have an important point to make, and every point I want to make is important, the other person is not cooperating. Well, when Jesus speaks, we should pay close attention. Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon writes these words. Look at Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. He says, guard your steps. Literally, guard your feet as you go to the house of God. Draw near to what? To listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Draw near, which is another way to say when you worship, part of your worship is to listen. I know a lot of us, when we think about the concept of worship, we think about music and opening our Bibles. But I don't know that a lot of us have factored in that one of the main ways that you worship is through listening. Listening with the intention to obey. Jesus told Mary, uh, said of Mary, when Martha was running around in Luke 10 and she was literally preparing a meal for the Lord, and we could understand that stress, want the meal to be good. But Mary had chosen the better part, and what Mary was doing was an act of worship. She was seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to 
his word. Worship is about hearing God's voice with the intention of obeying. And that's the point of the passage. When you draw near, which is used by the Jewish priest of drawing near in worship, we are to draw near to listen. It would seem to me then the sacrifice of fools is to come near but not listen. You know, we often speak of sacrifices of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But part of what I need to put on the altar is my ears as well. I need to put my tongue on the altar as well. You know, when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to be holy and pleasing to God, it is in those areas of what we listen to and what we do with it and how we speak that makes all the difference in terms of our walk with Jesus. If you turn back to Mark 4. And so Jesus says, listen up. I've got something to say that's very important. And Jesus was the master storyteller. He was a great storyteller. And one of these uh, days when we're, when we finally go home to be with the Lord, we will get to hear perhaps him tell many stories. And it came about, Mark 4, verse 4, that he was sowing. So he introduces the sower. And the sower is sowing, and he said, some, feed, some uh, seed, excuse me, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. So you have soil number one, and it is the seed sown beside the road. If you'd like to write in your Bible, you might want to just write that there, or if you're a note taker, soil number one is seed sown beside the road. Luke 8, verse 5, adds this uh, addition, and it was trampled underfoot. And then Mark tells us the birds, the seed that was sowed beside the road, the birds came and ate it up. Um, If you've ever tried to plant seed, I've done this a few times in my front yard. I had this patch of grass that uh, became non-grass that just my front lawn, for whatever reason, it just would not grow. So I tried to use seed, you know, buy some of that seed at the local hardware store and pour it on this spot. But I found birds were just waiting in the wings, pun intended, (laughs) just waiting for me to exit so that they could eat my seed. You see, so then I, I, you know, I tried to consult experts, and some experts say that you, you need to put this down so they'll think that there may be a predator close by, or you need to put a topsoil down to protect the seed. But if the ground is not prepared properly and the seed just sits there, inevitably what happens is the birds come. Now, the roads in ancient Israel were between the fields or between the farms that people owned, and people would travel on the road so that they would become hard-packed. And and the sower would also walk down the roads. And this is where Jesus and his disciples were, by the way, when they were gleaning the grain in the earlier chapter we studied in Mark. They would walk on these roads, and they were somewhat public, and they would be hard-packed, tracking and footprints and and, and uh, forcing it down. And so the seed was exposed and it didn't take good root. And uh, all of a sudden the birds came and ate it up. Look at verse five. The other seed fell on rocky ground or rocky places, Matthew 13, five, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, keyword, no root, it withered away. Soil number two is verses five and six. It's the soil sown in rocky places. Now, rocky places here does not mean corona dirt. 
Because if you ever tried to plant anything in Corona, you put the shovel in and it's like, I think there's more rock than there's actual dirt in Corona. But that's not really the image here. The image here is of limestone uh, that's in much of Israel that's just two, three inches beneath the surface. So the image would be something like this. If you had a place of concrete in your yard, let's say you had a basketball court or a nice square uh, piece of concrete, and let's say that you put two or three inches of soil on it, and then you threw seed on top of that, and you watered it, and the sunlight hit the, the seed in the soil. Well, what would happen is that that would probably take off quickly, but then the root can only go so far, and it would hit your concrete. Here, just exchange concrete for the limestone in Israel. And so it looked good on the surface, and it went up quickly, but then all of a sudden it hits this impenetrable layer of limestone, and there's no root. The roots cannot go deep. So it looks good on the surface, but as soon as the sun scorches that little plant, it can't get its roots down, and it immediately withers and dies. That's soil number two, the seed sown on rocky ground. Luke 8, 6 in a parallel account says, other seed fell on rocky soil, As soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The moisture can't get down into the roots. The plant can't get down with its good root system. And so it's exposed, lack of roots, and it dies. Other seed fell among the thorns, verse 7. And the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Soil number three, if you're taking notes, is the seed sown among thorns, an infested area. Uh, I hate weeds. Personally, I have a personal vendetta against weeds. And uh, I don't like to pull weeds. Weeds are a pain. But if you're going to prepare soil properly, you need to get as many of the weeds out as you can. Because you know, as you begin to water the seed and you want your crop to grow well, if the weeds are in there, they tend to often dominate. And they can choke out that which you're trying to produce. And so notice on soil number three, the seed sown among thorns, the result is that the crop is choked, no yield, no crop, soil number three. And other seed fell into the good soil. Soil number four is good soil, if you're taking notes. And they grew up and increased. They yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. The result of soil number four, good soil, is a great crop and a great yield. In fact, in reading on this, uh, commentators said that if you had a tenfold increase in a crop, it was a bumper crop in Israel. 30, 60, and 100 fold are all incredible yields. So, this is all uh, stuff that's truly phenomenal. And of course, the 100 fold uh, uh, increase is amazing. And then Jesus said these words as he frames it with the exhortation to listen. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's on the boat preaching to a vast multitude of people. And he asked the question, do you have ears to hear? Or if you're tracking with this story, what kind of soil are you? And Luke tells us in Luke's parallel account that he said it again and again and again. He kept repeating it. After he would say something, he would call out Luke 8 verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, Let him hear. Would that annoy you if a preacher kept saying that? I just did it. Are you annoyed? (laughs) Another way to put this is if you can understand it, then understand it. These are verses from Revelation 2 and 3, Revelation 2, 7, 11, 
17, 29, Revelation 3, 6, 13, and 22. Go back and listen to the recording if you want to grab those scriptures. Seven times to the seven churches, the Lord of the church says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's seven times in Revelation. Seven is the number of completion or perfection. Jesus is saying, would you open up your ears and be a good listener? And all of those exhortations in Revelation 2 and 3 are written to the church, not to unbelievers, not to so-called half-hearted listeners, hopefully to the church, to his people. He asks his people, what kind of listener are you? You see, so far in the parable, I could step back and say, oh, this is a challenge to people who are non-Christians. And maybe that's a legitimate take of Mark 4, but in Revelation 2 and 3, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying this to his people, or at least those who profess to be his people. Welcome, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz. I'm sitting here in the studio with Pastor Michael Lance, and I believe we do have some exciting news. Pastor Michael, can you share with the family what we've got going? Yeah, Oscar, we've been telling the family that we are going through a name change, a, a new branding, moving away from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. And uh, I add the with Michael Lance only to say that that's the name of it, but it's actually just called Walk in Truth, and that's the new radio ministry. We have a new website. We have a new store. And one of the, the beautiful things I think about what's going on is that we have uh, products that we're now making available to our listening family, including our own home fellowship. Mm -hmm. Just finished a four-part message, Oscar, on the anatomy of a fall from the book of Second Samuel. There we look at the steps of David's uh, sexual fall, uh, in sexual sin with Bathsheba. And we look at how, you know, if we can see how he fell, how we can keep from falling ourselves. Yeah, it was a pretty difficult study to see how David, as a man, how he fell. But what's also encouraging is that he was a man of God still after his own heart. And that process was, as you mentioned, Oscar, a painful one. And there, we, in this series, we do a lot of application to our modern times because in our modern times, pornography is running rampant. It's uh, being exposed to children at younger and younger ages. There are more and more people addicted to pornography. They're calling it more powerful than a her heroin addiction and harder to overcome. And so we have some real, call them very contemporary issues to deal with from the ancient book of Second Samuel, but so relevant as the whole Bible is to today's life. Yes. And the new website, Oscar, is walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. And there they have access to the new website. Uh, we have a new devotion on there, by the way. We're, we started a new devotion series called A Step Closer in keeping with the name Walk in Truth. And uh, I did a six-minute or so devotion on will God give you any more than you can handle, mm -hmm. question mark. That's a, it's a big topic, and I think it's one of those subjects that is almost like God helps them who help themselves. It's right. been baptized as a quote-unquote Bible verse when it's really not. Uh -huh. And I know what people are saying when they say it, but I kind of try to give light to this idea of, will God give you any more than you can handle with a question mark? That's in what's called a step closer devotion. It's a video devotion, brand new, up on walkintruth.com. So that's a couple of the new things that are going with this new name. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, 
or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.